Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. With you, as always, the trio, the real deal trio. Uh, we've been, it's been a while since we've been all three together. It's kind of, kind of scary, but uh, you have hosting, we're swapping it up a little bit today. Chief Keith Fleming, he's back uh, with me, as always, my good friends, my buddies, my colleagues. Sam the Shooter Howe, and the ravishing one, Ron L. Tinsley. What's going on, guys? Just enjoying. It's a little chilly out in L.A. Um, it's in the 50s. Um, by the way, we're going to have to start calling Ron L. Psychic. It was his, – his, the Lashley thing was impressive. I listened. Uh, I was not Thank on you. that podcast. It was a great call. Uh, we're going to get into it in a little bit. I'm not – thrilled about it uh only because of who was sacrificed but um i am very happy for bobby lashley and it's well deserved and if you watched raw tonight he looked like a million fucking bucks coming down that aisle and boy did wwe say hey w you want to see some pyro you want to see some explosions <laughs> we'll show you pyro did you not see it lightning bolts came down before he came out they had i mean it was unbelievable. It was a definite shot, uh, which to me, if you're AEW, that's a good sign. I mean, anytime WWE feels the need that they need to do something like that, kind of to prove a point, it just shows that they see you as a competitor. Uh, and having said that, let's transition right into it because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to start with AEW Revolution. It was last night. There's actually a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, but let's start with the four things that really trended, got people talking last night. And I guess we have to start with the Moxley versus Omega Barbar deathmatch, uh, exploding deathmatch, excuse me. Before we get really into this match, let's start off with the ending. What happened? Because it was, to me, a great match. And then it was just weird because when that clock down was coming down and then when Kingston came in, I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be really good. These are two of the most extreme guys in the company. They're willing to do whatever. And, I mean, something had to malfunction, right? There's no way that they thought that was not going to catch a lot of grief if that was the ending when you saw the brutality in the match. My take on it is that if, you know, Moxley sent out a tweet about that supposedly Omega, you know, the kayfabe thing was that Omega was involved and that it wasn't. He said that apparently to the live audience too. And my guess is that in order to not have something that was really over the top, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of death matches. We'll get to that when we get to the main event. But I think that that was the, the kayfabe thing was that it was instead of going out and doing something that honestly, I mean, I've heard about Foley talk about that those are kind of dangerous because they, they, they suck all the oxygen out for a little bit. That my take on that was that they were just doing that to avoid that and they were doing it as a storyline thing. Yeah, I mean, after that brutality, like you said, that was like, to me, I was like, is this uh, a misfire on the ending of a you know, town fireworks show? Because... <laughs> That pop and how Kingston sold it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are you more on the side of how amazing the way Kingston sold it or what the hell was Kingston doing selling it that way? Um, I, I just understand he was doing his job. It, it's not his fault that 
it, I, something had to have misfired because I, I have a hard time believing that that was their grand finale. I mean, especially given how things went off just when they went against the ropes, uh, that that massive DDT onto the, the platform on the floor. Like, there must have been a misfire. So I don't know if you noticed when it went off, there was a long period before they showed any effects or anybody ran in that you could tell Kingston and Ambrose were talk. excuse me, Ambrose, Moxley were talking together and I would give anything to know what they were saying. Cause you know, they were like, fuck, what do we do? Uh, that was not. And again, the big issue to me with it, I really enjoyed the match. I, I, I just, I can't believe how crazily both Omega and Moxley are to just, you know, I saw some people talking about, well, not all the barbed wire was this. I'm like, they were bleeding all over. You could see them pulling their skin and their clothes out of that barbed wire every time they went into it. The dirty deeds onto the, the explosion on the floor was, I mean, Moxley, oh, my God. Like, it's just crazy to think that he went in butt and back first. Omega went in face first, and I think he definitely got the worst of that because, I mean, you could tell he really couldn't hardly even get out. Um, but I thought the match was really well. I just – the big thing, and this is something AEW does need to work on, is they were the ones that kept building up that explosion at the end. They must have said it 30 times during the match. They must have said it five, six times during the pay-per-view. They've been saying it for – several episodes of AEW Dynamite when it, the clock hits zero all the explosions are going to go off and so that to me is sort of what got them that reaction and they didn't even need that stipulation in my opinion uh, so just real quickly two things again I, I really enjoyed the match and I'm normally not somebody who loves uh, you know these kind of violent type uh, fiascos, but I thought the, the ring psychology was amazing from both men. I thought both guys gave just, I mean, you just have to be crazy to do what they did. And uh, the one problem I have is this is now the second time that Moxley has lost to Omega by just straight up non-creative, you know, guys that aren't even in AW coming to help Omega win. Is that the right way? to end this feud i kind of thought this was giving them an out to have omega win i mean it wouldn't be that impossible in a in something like this if you're gonna do omega and i mean if they're gonna if this was the closer if we're and i've heard that moxley because i is leaving for paternity leave that this is it i don't get it i really don't i especially because i mean i i, I can see the logic like well we want to make sure you know keep moxley strong and he's going out for a while yada 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 but it's just leaves a bad taste in my mouth is I think that Kenny needs to be kind of a world beater. Yeah. I'm totally with you. The fact that the good brothers came in at all was a real downer to me. Cause I, I was like, wouldn't it have been cool if it had been the young bucks or, I mean, honestly, anybody, it's just to, anyway. to have two guys that are not even, I mean, I know they've been part of the storyline, but they're not even in the company. And that's, that's to me is the worst part. I mean, even mention it, by JR saying, hey, you know, you guys are on the wrong night. I I just don't, I, I wish they would have let Kenny be a little stronger because quite honestly, this should be the end of the feud. And if that's so, let him stamp it. 
I completely agree. The second thing that everybody was talking about, and I was so relieved, even though the beginning of the intro was very lame for the match, like the Darby Sting versus what, I mean, honestly ended up being the entire Team Taz was... I, I didn't like a lot of the stuff before. I did like the when actually when Sting and Darby got together inside the building, I thought that was really cool. I could have done without all the extra stings, but just to see it was a cinematic match put me so much more ease because I really do love Sting. And if this is what they're going to use him for, it was a great signing. I mean, you can protect him, you can do cool stuff. Darby Allen, oh my God, going through, getting thrown through the glass. Uh, just taking amazing bumps. Again, if I'm nitpicking, because I did enjoy the match overall, I don't understand why Sting goes over there. I mean, in the whole reason that Darby is with Sting is so you can put Darby over, and you could have had Sting be the one to kind of end it and then just tag in Darby. Uh, I understand he had the, you know, the big bump, and that's why he wasn't involved in the finish, but I just personally – you know, would rather have had Darby be the one actually to make the pin in this match. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I thought it was a pretty awesome cinematic match. Um, I think one of the few things that I didn't like was uh, the Sting and Darby acolytes uh, in the beginning. But, you know, I was able to easily get past that. Um, I thought that, like you said, it was great. The, the bumps that Darby took were absolutely amazing um i think that even in the loss though they even had uh ricky starks looking pretty strong in this which you know played a good story for me so in all um i thought that it went out came out as well as you can put it together um having sting looking pretty good and still being able to protect him at the same time I saw, I liked the cinematic. I'm just going to echo what you guys said. Uh, I thought that the sting going over was sort of a, uh, you know, the thing that everyone sort of crapped on the WWE for was that the first match that he had with Triple H is that he didn't go over. And I saw that's it. Fair. Sort that's of, fair. And I saw it as a response to that. That's that's actually one of the better takes I've heard on why. that that And again, for the wrestling fans out there, it's okay to hear somebody else's opinion and then have yours change. You don't have to live and die by it. I mean, it's almost gotten so toxic on social media after a wrestling pay-per-view where either, you know, it's just all either marks or haters. And there's such a small percentage that are, in my opinion, actual wrestling fans who truly root for wrestlers, which I want to remind everybody, you shouldn't give a shit which billionaire has a better toy to play with, you should be supporting the wrestlers who give their bodies and their careers and all this stuff for it. So just again, a reminder, like, just chill the fuck out. Uh, the third thing, and this was, I'm sorry, this was incredible. Evil Uno, maybe the best or worst sell of the year, of the decade, of the last two decades. I mean, I don't know how far you want to go back, depending on how you're looking at it with a botched Hurricane Rana where, I mean, I guess in the moment it's hard for him to react. I thought it would have been cool for him just to lose his balance. Uh, that would make sense. That could happen in a spot like that, and then you fall over. But for him to just run full speed into the, the, the ring post, 
and then fall out. Uh, as you can imagine, I saw it on Twitter a thousand times. I'm sure you guys uh, got a good chuckle out of that when it happened to Keith, I have a feeling that you like the rock cell of the Stone Cold Stunner as well, don't you? <laughs> I loved MJF cell like tonight versus the Young Bucks uh, late in that match uh, where he did the, a very rock type uh, you know, sell on that finisher. Um, I, I felt, you know, I'm not going to crap on somebody for on live television for something that I've never done. Um, I thought that, you know, everyone has their brain farts and that's what I saw that as, um, not my favorite thing. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and it's, it's also not the worst, you know, I mean, it, like we were talking about with the Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, it's like you're in the moment and it's like, what do you do? Do you stop the action or just let the show go on? He chose the latter. <laughs> he, he made an exit though. I'll give him that. <laughs> the uh, last thing. And then we're going to talk about the actual whole card. Um, but the other big thing that was big news. I mean, did we not all see it coming? Christian, the big signee. Uh, this is not a bad signing. It's a bad way of rolling it out. Uh, and that was the mistake, in my opinion. Uh, Christian Cage, I'm sure, can still go in the ring. Like the, If he's cleared and healthy, Christian has always been able to wrestle. But I thought, I thought the, the way that they like, unveiled this was really sloppy. Uh, and they put themselves in a corner where people are going to be disappointed, and that's what happens. You know, people are talking about CM Punk and Brock. We just went through this with uh, WandaVision, where fans got all excited, myself included, do a podcast. And then, you know, looking back on it, it was a great origin story, and we got way ahead of the cart. And this is what happened here. And this is, But this is what's going to happen when you do what they did by, you know, teasing it, uh, the evolution, whether that was a, just a, a mistake that, Big Show said, or if he was actually, you know, trying to get people talking by not actually saying revolution, but evolution. Um, I just, and I think it was you, Sam, right, that we were texting that said that, you know, this is reminding you of TNA. Yeah, I, I thought that the, the um, you know, this is what their third guy who's over 45 that they've signed in the last three months. I, I just... I and I said in the team turnbuckle group that the only people that I would be excited about were Tessa Blanchard or so one of the uh, New Japan guys. Like if they had had Okada, I would have marked out. I would have lost my shit if it had been Okada, or if it had been Tanahashi. And they have a working agreement with New Japan. And those guys, I don't know what their English speaking capability is, but I know that having the big show speak for them would have been i mean especially if you want to do a story because the the history between okada and omega would have blown i mean they've had some of the best wrestling like pure wrestling matches the last decade like easily some of the best i would say just from a work rate standpoint so uh ron Al, is there anything you want to add there on Christmas? oh yeah no I, i'm just i'm the same as sam um uh excite as excited as I am about the capabilities of Christian Cage, the rollout, like like you guys said, was just completely wrong. Too much of a buildup. Just it, it should have been just something that was like, oh shoot, 
before we get into the next match, we have an announcement that we have a, a new a new player, and just roll it like that. Or even have him, you know, jump somebody. That's to me. That's always the easiest way to bring a guy in is you pick whoever's going to be his first feud, and you just have him jump him for no reason. As long as you can come up with that reason by the next time you're on TV, uh, it just to me is a bigger deal. And uh, I mean, there's just so many guys that to me, there's other ways they could have done that. The rest of the card, I do want to go over real quick. And uh, I just yeah, go ahead. Which is the it, it does rub me the wrong way that for a company that has not been able to get more than one women's match on the show in a week is now going to devote time to a guy who had to retire because of concussions. Like maybe focus on the other stuff, guys, like, you know, just an idea. Now, the land of opportunity thing is, um, as I've been saying for months on this podcast, that that's sort of uh, going away. And I do see a lot of the con and Dixie Carter, more than anything parallels to where he is signing people that he grew up watching, which is exactly what Dixie Carter did. And it's understandable as a fan, but if you want to beat WWE and Vince McMahon, you need to run as a business. And what has made AEW so successful is being different than WWE. And if you bring in the big show, you bring in Christian, you bring in Sting, you bring in all these guys, uh, Moxley, you know, Jericho are your two champs for the first year and a half, two years. It just it, it it becomes hard to say you're the land of opportunity and something different. Um, the other matches on the card, let me just go over these real quick, and then I'm going to give you a chance to take in any direction you want to with the card. And I just do want to gr- overall grade from you on the pay per view. Uh, Britt, and I'm gonna butcher, I'm sure, a lot of these names. Dr. Britt Baker and Mackay defeated Rio and Thunder Rose. The Young Bucks defeated Jericho and MJF. That actually opened the pay per view. That is leading to a meeting on Dynamite about how to fix the inner circle. I think we see a MJF saying Jericho doesn't need to be the leader. I do. Uh, that, that's all I could think of when MJF said in that backstage promo, oh, I've got some ideas of uh, how we can improve the circle. The Def Triangle tag title opportunity was won by Phoenix and Pac. I, I don't know how you can't be excited about them taking on the Young Bucks in the future. Uh, Hikira Shida arguably maybe the match of the night defeated Rio Muzanami uh just really like maybe the most physical female match I've ever seen I mean those they they beat the hell out of each other uh Miro and Kip Saban defeated Cassidy and Chuck Taylor Hangman Page defeated Matt Hardy in a stipulation that I don't totally understand but i guess he's getting part of Hardy's salary now i love that stipulation was that he gets the all the the money like the salary and all the the money like i thought that they don't do that in other things yes first quarter so he gets everything that he's made for the first three months i thought it was great the the switcher on the contracts and then scorpio sky won the future shot at a tv title the physical brass ring as he got it over the uh the ring and is now the new face of the revolution. Uh, Ron Ellis, start with you again. You can take it in any direction, you know, highlight for you. And then I just want to grade like on the pay-per-view. Um, well, as a grade in total, I actually wasn't that disappointed. I thought it was about a B, maybe B minus. Um, there was some up spots, you know, there was a bunch of different spots where, you know, like you spoke about with uh, Evil Uno, uh, there was a few other, you know, kind of bad misses, but, you know, like you said, it's a live, it's a live program. So, you know, you 
gotta leave room to excuse these performers. Um, that women's title match, uh, what was her name? Iho Mizunami. She's exciting, and I'm uh, happy to see kind of a new player uh, in their women's division. Wow. Uh, Is she, disappointing. The end of the uh, match, yeah, maybe. Think yeah, otherwise. disappointing <laughs> to see that it's, it looks like we're going to have another Nyla Rose uh, women's oh title shot. Um, you know, it's like they had that entire tournament and still wound up messing it up, which is frustrating for me. Uh, the tag team title match, um, I believe it was Sammy. And actually, you know, I'm not even going to touch on it. I'll let Sammy go on when uh, he gets a moment. Um, I was okay with that tag team title match. Um, just a little bit disappointed in some of it. But in all, I thought it was a pretty good card. Uh, I just hate that there were too many jokes, uh, too many layup jokes um, to come back with. You know, that that big brash ring at the end makes me, uh, I, heard, I hear a sonic noise in my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, Sammy, what did you think about the card and what was your grade? I gave it a B. Um, overall, that's on a curve. Um, that was based on a monthly pay-per-view. Because they only do about four a year, I probably would have gone lower. Because it was overall, you know, if you want me to drop 60 bucks in a pay-per-view, like I was not thrilled. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm in the uh, in the position where I can just be like, yeah, I dropped $60. I'm, you know, if something's not worth it, I'm fine. I'm not thrilled about that. Um, it was a good show, but it was not great. Um, I'm going to be sort of the turd in the punch bowl here. Um, the I, I thought that the Young Bucks in what was supposed to be a blood feud match having a just their usual match like it, that bothered me um i'm also just i should be up front that the young bucks i think are very much something that you either love them or you hate them and they're not my cup of tea that's why they um, had it right when they did not have missed the tag team champs i hate to say that i know they deserve it i know you know all they've done but i thought they were better when they were not champs you let another team be the champs and you know, you let them chase or just let them have an exciting short match on every card. I, yeah. And I mean, some of it is, is that I feel like they're a little too, like they're, they're a little too kayfabe as a sometimes thing for them. And so there are times where it's just like, Hey, we're winking at, you know, the audience. And it's a little too, too cute by half. Um, as I said, I loved the Matt Hardy stipulation. Um, I'm sort of a dork for that old style wrestling and like, Every, the, the whole point of it is to make money like that's the point of wrestling so if you're gonna have these guys wrestle on a stipulation that you get a guy's money like that's pretty cool to me um i hated the brass ring stipulation uh i thought that it was exactly the kind of up its own ass uh you know smart mark booking that you like if, if i was somebody who had never watched wrestling before in, oh, let me rephrase it I'm somebody who hadn't watched wrestling since the attitude year. And I was flipping around like, Hey, is there a basketball game on TNT? Oh, they're wrestling. Cool. Oh, this is cool. I like this. I'm going to buy it. And then they had a giant like man sized brass ring. Like, I mean, okay, this is corny. And the only reason is, is that, I mean, how many people, maybe a hundred thousand people know that it's a reference to Vince McMahon. And so you're, you're doing this kind of goofy, you know, it's just a bad look. Yeah. Um, I'm, I am, I've also sort of, uh, I I'm very excited for, hopefully we're going to get, uh, Kenny and Pac, 
Like I am or pack. I'm excited for that feud that is definitely coming at some point. Um, I think a death triangle, uh, good brothers, Omega match would absolutely blow the roof off of any arena. Uh, but you know, overall B, uh, but I definitely, my match of the night was the women's match, which was, you know, it, it feels like they don't have, you know, it feels like they have Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa or not Thunder. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, they have Britt Baker and Nyla Rose as the sort of AEW feuds for whoever the women's champion is. And it's just, I wish they would do more with it. I hope it's Britt Baker, but uh, I'm actually shocked. I have the highest grade of this pay-per-view of any of us. I'd probably give it a B plus. I enjoyed it. I did. I mean, it, it kept me entertained for four hours at a time when there was no NBA on. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Fast lane has right now, maybe two matches that I'm interested in going into it. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good pay-per-view. Uh, was there a lot of issues? Yeah, there always is going to be, but to me, a grade used on a pay-per-view is mostly about like how entertained uh, I am in it. The only other thing I just want to touch on real quick, Scorpio Sky. We've heard so much about this four horsemen thing. I would love him to be the leader. I would love it to be him, FTR. I'd actually like for it not to be Sean Spears, but it looks like Sean Spears and FTR are the three other guys. I think it would be amazing, and Scorpio Sky could be a huge star if they made him the Ric Flair of whatever this four horsemen thing that they've been teasing and it looks like they're going to do and not Cody Rhodes. Am I crazy? Uh, I, I feel like that's where they're headed. Um, the, I, I, but I also, I, in part because I think that Cody, they've been doing this teasing thing for so long that I, I just don't believe that they're actually going to go with it. <laughs> like, like no, it's not gonna happen. They're not gonna like we've been talking about Cody Rhodes and a four horseman faction for what like six months now, something like that. Yeah. One other quick. Honestly, I'm actually I want to ask you this, Ronell. Is Cody Rhodes just that good of a seller? Did you? I thought he was legit hurt when they had him back. You could still see him, you know, in the corner of the the camera. And if all that was kayfabe. Like, great production value, great sell job by Anderson, Cody, all the officials. I mean, I was legit worried he was hurt, and he was great when he came back, like actually selling the arm on everything he did. Uh, That was pretty incredible. Yeah, I am with you because I literally thought that that was for real. So it was, I think, a great sell. I love the fact that they did all of that right by the entry, so it was right within – you know, you're keeping your eye on what's going on. And then you came in and took some massive bumps. I mean, uh, superplex off of the ladder from um, Lance Archer. And I believe there was something. Uh, oh, yeah. The, at the end, he took a big bump from the top of the larger ladder from Scorpio Sky. I mean, he took some nasty bumps. But honestly, Cody is low-key uh, MVP of this pay-per-view just by simply, once again, putting over the talent that he's working with. Completely agree. Uh, I will so, say, though, just closing, or and I'll let you one more thing, Sam, and we got to move on, but 
Lance Archer should be, like, the biggest guy on that roster. He proved it again in that match. I don't know what the hell they're doing with him. He was one of the few guys I actually saw wrestle in New Japan. Uh, and I was so excited when they signed him because he was such a badass. And I think I saw two matches uh, from him in New Japan on a – was it TV One or whatever late at night. And he has these moments, but they just have not really made him, in my opinion, what they should. Uh, my MVP of the show actually was Excalibur. I thought that he is, you know, he just won commentator of the year, but he, you know, for the women's match, I think that he really added some depth to it. I thought that he, you know, there was some stuff that, that he kept me in it. Um, I thought that the best thing, like we always talk about, you know, we love to, to wax nostalgic about JR and King but I think that the, what they did was that they elevated what was already very good. And I think that the Excalibur is, is that, and I just don't think he gets enough credit for it, especially when he's only been doing this on live TV for like a year. That is something that they have done a very good job. I thought the commentary overall for them has been pretty strong. Uh, I know sometimes people make comments about Ross and Shivani, but uh, it is nice. They give legitimacy because of who they are and, and what they were, especially people who grew up watching wrestling. All right, I do want to talk about SmackDown and Raw real quickly before we get out of here. On SmackDown, let's get right to it. Reigns and Brian is set for Fastlane after Brian defeated Jey Uso in a cage match to close the show. Uh, I am like a kid in a candy store right now because when he lost the way he did, uh, at Elimination Chamber, I'm like, these sons of bitches are not going to give us Brian and Reigns at Mania, and it doesn't even look like they're going to give it to us at Fastlane. Then the, actually in the two weeks, I believe there was two episodes before this one after Elimination Chamber, it was just one, but they didn't set it up that time either, so you're, you're really not thinking it. And then when all this played out, I actually thought they were going to tease us where he was going to somehow lose that match to Jay Uso. The promo at the beginning by him, Heyman, and Reigns was just first an unbelievable baby face by, uh, promo by Daniel Bryan, and then Reigns and Heyman being Reigns and Heyman right now. Uh, I am so excited for this, even though I'm pretty positive Bryan's going to lose, uh, and it's just going to be Reigns versus Edge at Mania, which is a little disappointing because I, I, I really think he had Daniel Bryan. Wow. Uh, but – what are you guys most excited about? The fact that uh, Brian is getting another title shot or the fact that just it seems like Reigns and Heyman are just never going to lose steam as these unstoppable heel pair? Personally, I'm excited just the fact that we're going to get um, a straight-up match with Face. Daniel Bryan and heel Roman Reigns right now. Like you said, that promo was once again another Barry Bonds like holy crap Grand Slam. Like they just turned on that something awful. And they set this up really great. I mean, so much to the point where when I was watching it, like Edge and Mania was a complete afterthought. Um, I'm somebody, I, I, I know that, um, I, I'm going to shock everyone talking about how much I love Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, I, I, I never do this. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, I, I've said, I think he's the best wrestler of his generation. I think that he is, has very quietly, uh, come back and 
become a, a really, really good, you know, that, that he was off. I think people forget for like two years in his prime and he has come back and, and just been able to do stuff at such a high level. And he and Roman tore the house down before that time. So I'm, I'm thrilled if they give them time and really so their last fast lane match is arguably Reigns' best match since he's been in WWE. Uh, I, if it's yes, I would, I mean, that's certainly, I, I would say it's either that one, maybe 31, maybe, I mean, it is one of a handful of his best matches and cause he really wrestled in that match more than he does in most of his matches. And I think that Daniel Bryan is one of the most giving wrestlers in pro wrestling. I think that he loves, you know, I think that Roman Reigns is going to come out of this looking like a hundred million dollars. I will say too, Sam, that I am now, you know, we gave Ron L his kudos for his prediction. I think you're right. I am now having watched Daniel Bryan over the last, he pretty much seems like I'm going to make everybody other than myself look as good as I possibly can. And the only way he would be doing that is if he knows he's on his way out. I just, he's the only guy I know that would be like, if I'm going out, this is the way I want to do it. Uh, Even when it's been to you know, I wish they would have him win more. I've been a little frustrated with how much he's lost over the last three, four months. Uh, but he's also the kind of guy that he can. I do think you're on to. He probably is at least not going to renew his contract immediately, whether that be retirement, whether he go to Indy, whether he go to AEW. Uh, I, I do now start to think that you're right. He's probably going to be leaving. I can't imagine him ever retiring. Um, but – the other thing that you have to remember about, and as somebody who is such a mark for Brian Danielson, um, this is a guy who at one point on the Indies was like so good. He's like, I'm going to get the small package over as a finisher. Dead ass truth. And like, as a heel character, he was Mr. Small Package. And like, he's just that good. Like, and so he is the one guy of his generation who a punk too, but the one who's still wrestling AJ Styles had his new Japan run Omega Okada. Like these guys have had these runs where they were really able to sort of pad out resumes as workers. And I'm just sitting here like, Oh man, if he got to go and wrestle Kenny Omega or Kazuchika Okada or Tanahashi, all of these guys were just like, I love, and I love him in the WWE. I want him to do whatever makes him happy. This is all found money, but I would lose my shit if, it's, See, I would lose know. my shit seeing him fight like MJF, Sammy Guerrero, uh, you know, the Jungle Boy, like a lot of these young guys that they got in AEW that can really wrestle. Uh, Jungle Boy, by the way, we would not mention, also had another really good showing. Like that, that kid's going to be a star eventually. Uh, the other part of SmackDown, and I hate to get negative because uh, I know we were a little negative about the AEW pay-per-view and we try to be relatively positive, but – I don't get what in the fuck is going on with this Banks and Belair versus Nia and Shana, uh, Shana for the tag titles. Are you really telling me WWE with Sasha Banks, arguably your biggest star in your company? Uh, I mean, other than Roman Reigns, I think it definitely is with Becky Lynch gone. And we've all seen how cool this Bianca Belair rise has been. This is the story you're going to tell where they're going to, of course, lose. And then maybe one of them ends up turning on the other. I just, I don't like this. I don't like any of it. it. The only thing that would make me happy is if they win the tag titles 
and they're tag champions. They fight for the world title and they leave WrestleMania still as tag champions and say, you know, Belair uh, is the, you know, women's champion and the tag champion. And then Sasha slowly turns heel to me. That would make sense. But otherwise I'm, I'm just a little disappointed with this whole storyline. Yeah. It's kind of driving me nuts that they're, you know, slapping it together. And one, the one thing that's upsetting me is that for a quick second, I actually thought, and I still think that there's a possibility that they uh, do Bianca and um, Sasha getting the tag titles, which honestly would be such a great disservice to what Nia and Shane has been doing lately. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the whole thing to me, it just feels like very lazy storytelling and <laughs> just very lazy story. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's two teams with a tag title shot, right? Haven't Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan won a tag title shot like now over a month ago on Raw? And then in NXT, the team that won the uh, Dusty Women's Tag Title Tourney, they have a shot. Why the hell at Fastlane are the, the you know these two women getting the shot over two teams that have earned a shot? It just the whole thing bothers me. Well, technically, the NXT ladies have had their shot already. Oh, did I miss that? Was that on NXT? Yes, that was okay. uh, this Wednesday. So say I missed that. I'm not watching. That's another reason we're not talking about NXT. Today. So, like, well, I was gonna make a joke about like not remembering Ruby Riot and being like, sorry, my brain has rooms for, for raw results this year or Simpsons quotes. And I've chosen Simpsons quotes. Um, um, the, um, no, I mean, I, yeah, just the lazy storytelling. All right. Raw. And then we're going to get out of here. Cause I, again, we're going to try to start keeping these things a little bit shorter. Um, McIntyre and Sheamus, what a match. Like, if we were doing match of the week, it would have been my match of the week. I just look at these two guys who were probably told originally when their feud started, this is going to be a headline pay-per-view main event title match. Plans changed. Everything kind of got messed up between Elimination Chamber and then, you know, this Bobby Lashley and Miz deal. And all of it's worked out. Don't get me wrong. But for two guys that then still go in the ring and just give that kind of performance, especially when they're that good of friends in real life. Uh, and Sheamus has became, and it's so ironic because people remember everybody talked about Sheamus was given too much too soon because his buddies are Triple H and blah, 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 blah. And now I feel like he is the most screwed over guy on the roster and the one they are not using. And it's like, if AEW really wanted a hoss, that's the guy that I would be scared if I was WWE going to somewhere like that because, I mean, Sheamus is great. He's a great in-the-ring guy. He's a great heel He's became a great talker. Like, Seamus can do everything. Yeah, and quite honestly, I know that maybe it, maybe it was over the summer how we were talking about, like, you know, Seamus is kind of going to waste or whatever. Over the fall in the last few months, Seamus has really kind of stepped up and uh, re-showed us his value and why he's a multiple-time world champion, Uh isn't he close to a grand, almost close to he a grand really slam? He wants the, uh, the IC belt, which oh, is wow. what I was hoping they were going to do. He's won the U.S., the tag, and the world titles, but he has not won the, uh, the IC belt. 
but I yeah, you know, he's been putting in phenomenal work. And this past week, like you said, wasn't was more of that example. Uh, I would, yeah. I mean, I, Sheamus is a guy where he constantly bounces between underrated and overrated. Um, that's true. Point, yeah, that's true. Under, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, I I think that kind of like the Miz, right? They're kind of in, in some ways the same guy. That's true. Um, but I I'm I thought the match was I thought it was the best match on Raw in a long time. Uh, I think that and Sheamus works best with guys where they're really like he's kind of has the old like Vader. Like, well, Roman has this too, where they work best with guys who kind of beat the shit out of them. And I think they're that Terminators. That, yeah, I mean the the. But it's also, I mean, it, it is the and Seamus. One other thing that he has that's completely, uh, like, a, a, it's not something that you can teach. But he, he, like, you see the dino damage on him, like those old, uh, those old Jurassic Park toys, because of his skin. Like he starts bruising and stuff in the match, which is like always is a good look. Oh yeah, those old He-Man uh, battle damage. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to the next thing on Smack or on Raw, I do want to mention because we did not mention this in SmackDown too. SmackDown has quietly became the best wrestling show in the world for the last two, three months, where you get two, three great in-ring matches, it seems like, every week. And I'm really surprised people aren't talking about it because you hear a lot about it on AEW. And no offense to AEW, but I mean, when you got guys like Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, uh, Kevin Owens, and these are the guys that are constantly in these big profile matches, Sami Zayn, uh, Corbin. I mean, I just think right now. Degree, Cesaro and Apollo Crews even. Exactly. I, I think it's the best wrestling show in the world right now. It's the narrative. It's, you know, I was half joking about, uh, you know, mel- about – uh, how the young bucks and and those guys have gotten you know sort of greased the wheels with Meltzer, but I think that they're very much. I mean, you see this. Meltzer is for better and for worse. I I, I have my issues with him as a writer, but I think that he is seen as the arbiter of wrestling quality. Meltzer has gotten into a thing where he just doesn't enjoy the WWE. Perfectly fine. Uh, he really loves AEW. AEW is the style of wrestling that he likes. And so then you have the hive mind of Brian Alvarez, I think is a fucking clown. It and does help though, right? When AEW announcers are calling it a Meltzer driver. Uh, I mean, no, no that, that's the, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what the young bucks called it. Well, I, I mean, get, it, I mean, I get that, but it, it's what I'm saying is they're buttering him up. Like that's what all that is about. Yeah. Uh, and and, and they, just, I'm sure oh. they give him a lot of access um and, and alvarez is i mean i i i whatever i think of of Meltzer, i think that alvarez is a jack sniffing schmuck and mm-hmm. i think that i i don't have much respect for brian alvarez um i'm not going to get into that because i want to keep this positive um <laughs> but i but i think that that some of it is that the narrative is is that wwe bad AEW good and i get that from raw and i get you know but but i think that there is that sort of, you know, that you get it with with Meltzer, who just prefers AEW, and then you get it from, from Alvarez, who seems to enjoy shitting on WWE. So I think that's as much why you don't hear about SmackDown. Because it's, it's not cool to say 
that SmackDown is doing really well. That's true. The uh, let's talk about Ron L's uh, Babe Ruth call. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of the entire Miz Lashley interaction Monday? That obviously include, uh, concluded with Lashley winning the championship in very dominant fashion. Ron L, this was your call, so you go ahead, go first, buddy. Honestly, I was watching maybe on a slight delay, maybe a half hour behind on DVR. And at first I really didn't think it was going to happen. I mistakenly spent a little too much time on Facebook and spoiled it for myself (laughs) before it happened. But again, it was one of those times where I, I didn't even say a peep to Cindy. And I still, I honestly was very, I, I marked out. It, I, there's not many times that I mark out, but I was extremely happy that they actually pulled the trigger and let Bobby Lashley go on. Um, I hate the fact that a lot of people are saying that they don't like how uh, dominant it was because I think the way the storyline, but considering the way that um, Miz ran out and took the count out early and them using the lumberjacks to stick him in there. I mean, you can't tell this story right now with Miz having any kind of real chance unless he had an opportunity to cheat. Oh, I I agree. I just wish that they wouldn't have done that to the Miz. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, him being the ultimate WWE guy and nothing proved that more than what just happened. I mean, how many guys would be okay and sign off with having basically, what was it? A, it was a nine-day run. Eight-day right? title reign. Yeah, eight-day title reign. Uh, and I mean, it had been ten years since he had won it, and I just I wish they would have somehow kept those two away. Uh, and what also worries me is this is going to lead to McIntyre winning the belt back from Lashley at Mania, and I just uh-huh. think it's going to. Oh, it's coming. Y'all go ahead. You want to go ahead and make predictions now? Because I'll tell you right now, McIntyre is winning that match at Mania. He is the guy. I hope that I'm wrong because I think Lashley could be a huge star if they pushed him correctly, like what they've done. But I think everything we've seen in the last 365 days is other than Roman Reigns, the biggest guy in the company right now is Drew McIntyre. They didn't think Miz was a proper foil for him at Mania for his moment, even if it's in front of a smaller crowd, and he's going to beat this dominant Bobby Lashley to win the title back a second year in a row at Mania like Cena did and many other stars have early in their career. I hate to admit it, but I think you're 100% right. Um, I, too, would love to see Bobby Lashley at least get – a few months out of this title reign, I just I have a hard time seeing it happening. The yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that if you want to make Lashley, you know, the, he looked as dominant as anybody has looked to me in wrestling in a long time. And I know that it's the Miz, and you can say you not to crap on the Miz, but it's not like when uh, McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar. But I thought or when that, Lesnar beat Cena, for Christ's sake, yeah. But I thought that it did a really good job of being like, oh, Bobby Lashley, like they didn't even play around. Like that was like Bobby Lashley wrecked house and was done. And, you know, cool. Um, I think that ultimately it goes back to like what a great talent, like 
I don't want to say necessarily with great talent, like what a great company guy the Miz is. And like very clearly his dream is to wrestle, you know, that that it, it takes all kinds. Did you see what lot- Lashley said about the Miz, which I no. thought was just class act. He went on an interview and said, for the people out there hating on the Miz or saying, you know, this just proves he doesn't deserve to be a WWE champion or all the people that just hate on him constantly. He goes, all this dude's done has wrestled night in and night out for almost now two decades. He goes, he does whatever promo press deal they want. He's got a reality show. He's got a game show. He's got a smoking hot wife, two beautiful kids, millions and millions of dollars. And quite frankly, if you don't like The Miz, you're a hater. And I you thought are. that was really cool of Lashley to come out and say. That's you pretty awesome because uh, – I'm sorry, Sam. I'll let yeah. you go on in a second. But I uh, absolutely agree with Bobby Lashley, and I really do hope that there are more world title uh, opportunities and reigns for Miz in the near future. and then We don't have to go another decade. The, I, I will, and I will say is that I think that there's, and this is going to make RC's head explode because I, I know how much he loves my fantasy book. But if I think he's listened this long into a podcast that started with AEW, <laughs> the, uh, the, that I think there's a face run for Miz down the line as the guy who, you know, all these fans, all of you guys like us. I mean, how many of us would have loved to have the Miz, you know, and and just coming out there and and playing himself like that and be like, hey. I'm the, you know, I'm the guy that you all want to be. Like, I've, I've done this for you. Like, everyone out there, like, I'm the guy who wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was a kid, and I did it. And, I, you know, I've, I've come out here, and I've worked really hard, and I wasn't the best at it. He was you know, hazed he horribly. They, I mean, they hated him when he first came on. And he was not, you know, and, and yes, obviously, most of these guys, uh, Edge, Daniel Bryan, uh, Seth Rollins, like obviously you're a fan for the most part before you do this, but I, I feel like it came more easily to Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins and Ed. they trained and stuff. I mean, let's be honest, they, they they went through the way most wrestlers, you know, did in that era that became big stars, uh, to where the Miz literally got a shot from a reality show where he constantly was quoting The Rock, and and I and the. Yeah, and, I, and so to see the Miz, who, but even then, like he was not a guy who came in and didn't come naturally to him. And I think that to sort of show, like, hey, I've come out here and worked really hard, and I've tried to be the guy, you know, because I wanted to be the guy from Parma, Ohio, who everyone, you know, could get behind. Like that's a great, like there's a great story for the Miz as a face. It's uh, just very easy. Like he's a great heel. You know, Ooh, especially now they're having a reunion of the uh, first year of uh, the real world. I'll so there would some way yep. for them to tie that in, especially considering he's come from a reality world and just shown that, listen, hard work, you bust your ass, things you can accomplish things. All right, one other thing, then we got to finish these last two topics on Raw. One other thing that's going to be interesting about Mania. There's going to be fans there. I know it's not going to be a lot, but it's going to be enough to where it's going to make an impact. I'm so interested to see the reaction for Lashley and McIntyre because I have a feeling WWE is going to judge this wrong and they're going to think that Lashley is not going to get cheered and McIntyre is, and it may actually be the other way around. And it is something I want to give WWE a ton of credit over the last like 
I'd say eight to 10 months, they've kind of done away with really painting in broad strokes, faces and heels, because they know there's not a crowd there. So what difference does it make? Let them be the best character they can be. I'm so excited to hear what, you know, like guys are over when, when we get even this a small crowd at Mania this year. I'm inclined to think, oh, sorry, go on, Rano. No, please, please. I'm inclined to think that it's going to be a much more, uh, it's, if, if uh, I think it's going to be much more predictable crowd. I think that usually the mania crowd that's a little more iconoclastic to drop uh, the name of our group uh, is because it tends to be a more European crowd and a smarter crowd. Uh, I think that what we're going to see is a lot of more mainstream fans uh, a lot, you know, I, I, I don't know what tickets are going to be. I think they go on sale on the 16th, I saw. And so my assumption is, is that this is going to be a much more mainstream crowd in terms of who's there. Uh, because I don't know. I mean, can you travel from Europe at this point? Not without, uh, well, you still, I believe, have to do a 10-day minimal quarantine uh, after a positive, um, sorry, after a negative shown test before flying. So I have a hard time believing that we're going to get the kind of um, really uh, psychopathically. How many people uh, do you expect from Europe to look at America handling COVID and go, yeah, that's where I want to go right now. It's like, there'll be more (laughs) WrestleManias. I'm good. (laughs) Uh, We were, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry, Ron. Oh, no, no, no. I I got it in my voice. Okay. we're, we've gone over time, so I'm going to we'll, – we'll talk about – we're going to do another podcast this week, and we will talk Charlotte Osk and how that's going to be a many feud. And then, obviously, I want to talk about Apollo Crews because uh, he's doing some great work. Uh, I hope they don't get too into the international villain uh, deal. Because uh, right now they're, they're towing that line well, but I can see this going south quick uh, with Vince McMahon pulling the strings. Um, before we get out of here – Ron L. Come on, man. Give me some harvest. Uh, yeah, you know what it is. Um, Harvestcreditors.com to set your appointments. Uh, official Ron L. Tinsley on Instagram. Ron L. Tinsley, both personal and business on Facebook. Uh, you got any problems on your credit report? Uh, you're just trying to get that credit score higher? Get at me. Uh, if you mention the Team Turnbuckle podcast, save $100 on starting your services, including the ability to write your living will, trust, and power of attorney. Plug Sam- that new belt, too. Oh, yes. Very excited. Uh, got an AEW world title. Uh, thanks to the guys at Wrestling Revolution Club. Uh, I can't wait to unveil that bad boy. Did the AEW title look dirty as hell and scratched up to you guys at the it beginning of that does. match? Did y'all notice it, that? It, it made because uh, when he he sent me a uh, video of it and right before he packed it up, and yeah, right in the middle of the lettering, they have the cracking on the belt. Oh, so that part. actually okay, so that's what it looks like. Yeah, because I was just talking about from the the Moxley. I was like, man, they need to shine that damn thing up. It looked rough. Uh, but I guess that's what they, the look they're going for. That's actually kind of cool. I have a feeling that uh, Moxley doesn't take real great care. Well, that's fair, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Jericho already lost one. We know Jericho lost one, uh, which they, they eventually found. But Wasn't I mean, it like a TGI Friday? Yes, or something? That's, that's what I'm saying. So I don't, I don't think either Jericho or Moxley are really giving a shit. And to be honest, I don't see Omega being a guy that's like, you know, too concerned. He's had quite a few world titles in his day. All right, Sam, what do you want to plug, buddy? 
Uh, I am just going to plug uh, my Twitter account, uh, show610. I'm going to plug the $5 a month to be an all-star. Pays for itself really easily. And that's it. Um, I am going to plug the IB Sports Podcast Network. Um, Your boy, AK Chief Keith Fleming, is going to be working, as Ron L. says, extra hard this week. We're doing the team turnbuckle, obviously, today. We'll do another one this weekend. Tomorrow I will be recording both a WandaVision season finale podcast with R.C. Carlton. I cannot wait to talk to him about the finale. Uh, And then me and Alan will be previewing the TPC at Sawgrass, uh, where two weeks ago uh, we are continuing to hit huge props. Uh, Second week in a row of a 16-1 to top five by your boy. That's me. Uh, and Alan, uh, he's just really good at it. You should listen to his advice, not mine so much. Um, and I also want to plug the Team Turnbuckle uh, podcast Twitter page, which I apologize. I'm supposed to be spearheading that. I haven't done a great job of it, but I am having surgery in a week. I'm going to be laid up in a chair. I'm not going to have a lot to do. I plan on putting in work. Uh, with the Team Turnbuckle podcast Twitter page. I'm going to try to build it. I'm going to try to interact more. So we would really appreciate if you guys would follow it. And again, if you listen to this podcast or any other podcast on the IB Sports podcast feed, it is very, very, very important to us for you to rate it five stars, put a nice little review in there. It can be short, uh, but just say why you enjoy it and uh, share it with your friends because uh, you know we would love to eventually get more resources to do this kind of stuff. We can get bigger guests, all kinds of things. So, but I, I, go ahead. I do before we go on behalf of Ronell, myself, and Team Turnbuckle Nation, want to wish you a happy uh, don't say the number birthday. On yeah, Monday. there you go. Don't say the number. Let's just say four decades is, is happening on Wednesday. Or as I told my wife yesterday, I will be 39 for the second time. Uh, and that is going to be a recurring theme probably for at least another decade. So I really do appreciate it. Um, really enjoy doing this. I'm hoping I'm not going to miss no more than maybe a few days with podcasts uh, after the surgery, but uh, they're fusing my neck. They're going through my throat. Not sure how I'm going to react to that or how it's going to go, but I can promise you as soon as I can, I will be back. And if I do miss any extended time, the wrestling podcast, I know is going to go on with these two guys. I know Alan's going to keep doing the gambling podcast and RC is not committed yet to me that we're going to do a Falcon winter soldier podcast, which I'm a little disappointed about because I'm going to watch it anyway. But uh, we do have a bunch of good stuff coming. We really I can't do wait for a one division win. It, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, I've came to terms with it and I thought it was great. It was a great origin story. And you'll hear me talk a lot more about that uh, next week. I can see Sam rolling his eyes. Uh, I'm trying to get in on that so y'all can listen to me just bitch about it for like. <laughs> We're trying to keep the comic book fans out of the same. Uh, but for Chief Keith Fleming, ravishing Ron L. Tinsley, Sam the Shooter Howe, the six-man tag champions of the world, this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. Peace. <laughs>